Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides support resources for stigmatized communities. Shoshana Raven, we met on Instagram. You reached out to me with this really kind, heartfelt message, and um, we discussed me being on your podcast, and fortunately, things kind of worked out now to where uh, we're able to get together a lot sooner, and I can have you on my podcast first. Yay! <laughs> I beat you to the punch. <laughs> so, uh, Shoshana, how about we do things a little bit differently? I normally have people immediately begin with their uh, stigma that they're navigating, but I want to give you a little bit of space to talk about, you know, just introduce yourself and Talk a little bit about your podcast here before we get into the experience and you having disclosed publicly on your podcast. Are you okay with that? Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Courtney, for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you as a guest. I reached out to you because I just absolutely love the work that you're doing. It's so in alignment with my mission and a big movement that I see, which is super exciting. A lot of us supporting one another and spreading this idea and this truth that a boring fact about your sexual health has nothing to do with your worth and in fact there's so many more important things that you can be sharing with the world right so that really explains the foundation of all the work that I do I work with clients one-on-one helping them move through a longer-term transition and then I also support people on short support calls people who need immediate support who need their questions answered who need help learning how to disclose learning how to navigate this new identity for themselves and in that process kind of work on breaking down identity and getting back to the core wound so that we can rewrite the narrative and make major shifts and then on the back of that I also have my yoga I teach yoga I teach meditation I lead retreats I've done a couple international retreats and yeah I have my podcast Living Brave which is all about breaking down shame and fear culture so that we can step into our authentic selves right and kind of support each other work on the bigger issues so we can clear the mental space that we're stuck in stigma we're stuck in thinking about what other people think about us right instead of kind of yeah there are a lot of big issues that need tackling and and that's that's what frees us to help the world and I guess we can move into how this all started and I think this is really important for people because no big shift is really how it looks and it takes a lot of work right this healing process it's not about dissolving the trauma. It's not about it going away. It's about bringing dignity to something that didn't have dignity. And I think it's when you can look back and say, hey, I didn't know. Hey, this isn't my fault. And you can kind of cultivate that sense of compassion with yourself. There were two big shifts in my life. One was quitting my corporate job. I was working at a corporate consultancy, I guess you could call it, one of the big fours in New York City. And I was just totally masking my true self. I was living on autopilot, addicted to Adderall, lots of substance abuse going on. I didn't even classify it as that just because it was the norm in New York City life. And I'll just try to make it short. There was the beginnings of a spiritual awakening, I guess you could call it, a lot of questioning going on. And I quit my job and went 
to India on a one-way ticket, got my yoga teacher training, and I felt like I was really gaining this sense of freedom, independence, like, you know, smooth sailing. And I think this is what happens to a lot of people when the herpes diagnosis comes and something, you know, a rupture comes to their life. It's like, wow, boom, you're taking down right away. And all those old wounds that you really haven't healed, that you really haven't dealt with those limiting beliefs, those core wounds and fears, they pop up to the surface and they challenge you. Like, how far have you really come? I see this as the biggest mistake that people make when they're diagnosed with herpes is they think that herpes creates the wound, right? So I was shaken. It totally challenged my sense of self. I fell into this depression of why me and victimhood and blaming society and blaming the person. And, you know, it was really horrible. And, and the one thing that got me through it, this flicker of light, is watching Ella Dawson's TED Talk on STIs um, in a any of you haven't watched it, it's amazing. She really breaks down a lot of the stigma and invites the listeners to think about these topics. And so that was that flicker that kept me going. And then it wasn't long until I really crashed again. And I realized, you know, there was this unresolved trauma coming back to that big mistake as I didn't initially see the opportunity to do that self-work to say, hey, are there some underlying wounds here where's the shame coming from and what story is that based in a lot of the work that i do in the podcast about storytelling so how can you rewrite the narrative how can you take authorship of your story again and then make those inner shifts and see that reflected out in the external world you start having higher standards for your relationships you start having higher standards for the work that you're putting out into the world and you have a genuine desire to help other people on that journey with you so that's kind of the boil down version you were in corporate America, big four. For someone who might be going on autopilot and they need something more or something different, what does it look like when you're in that space? Does it just look like you questioning things? Are you changing behavior? Are you moody? What can people who might be experiencing that awakening expect or like if someone's confused about whether or not they're experiencing that like how do they know well first it's that recognition that this is something that's happening for a lot of people right now there's a steve jobs quote if you wake up day after day and look in the mirror but you aren't excited about the day you're gonna have something like this if too many days like that go by if you're not passionate about waking up every day there's this kind of burning inside, and you can feel it. And if you sit with it, you can feel this desire for maybe not more and better. I think those words are really overused a lot, and especially in the self-help world. We're kind of selling more and better. It's not that. It's just a genuine desire to put something authentic out in the world and be of service and stop the self-sabotaging behavior. And what does that look like at first? It can be a little whisper, maybe in your dreams or discomfort in doing what you usually do, or it can work itself up to an inability to go back into the life you were living. I remember looking up at the big office building that I worked at during a lunch break and crying because I couldn't go back in. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And a lot of people have that, holy shit, I can't do this anymore. And that can bring a lot of fear, but we know like that fear and anxiety is the same thing as excitement. One thing that's very beneficial for people who might be going through this is seeing that part of you that wants something 
different and questioning where is that coming from and where is the associated fear coming from and unpacking that is like why am I afraid to act on this and there are a couple you know limiting beliefs and associated fears that are very common one is that fear of failure that comes from an old story of being unworthy and of being found out, being um, flawed. And there comes that fear of disloyalty, of abandonment. And if you go back, that can come from, you know, if you have a strict family situation, if you came from a strict religious background, like that fear of stepping outside of something. Then there's a fear of outshining. So there's all these things. When you take a step back, you're like, oh, these are the obstacles in my way. And they're actually, in fact, not real. They were created and I can break them down. And then on that other side, the question to ask is, what is that thing that's stronger than the obstacle? So what am I willing to go with? To what is that thing that's driving me forward despite all the fear, despite all the uncertainty that comes with it? And really figuring out what that is for you. Maybe it's your desire to serve a certain community. Maybe it's your desire to live a life worth writing about. Whatever it is, hone in on that. And let that be your fuel forward. It's not always so easy. And I think it can look like that, you know, on social media. Like, oh, I quit my 9 to 5 and now I'm traveling and teaching yoga. And, yes. You know, I picked <laughs> up a, that wasn't it. It was a five-year transition. And up until, you know, a few months ago, I was still taking freelance jobs, writing about topics that I think would bore most people to pieces. And there's this also practical side to it, which is, yes, believe in yourself wholeheartedly, but also know that being in alignment doesn't mean you don't sometimes do work that isn't in full say alignment with your purpose it doesn't mean that you don't go out and have one too many drinks sometimes it doesn't mean that you don't slip up we're in infinite progress I want to stay on this for a little bit because you took the words right out of my mouth. We hear and see people say, I quit my nine to five job making a fuck ton of money, but I was unhappy. So there's sort of this uh, privilege that most people don't really have in order to be able to explore their purpose, their passion that not everyone can do. So I'll use myself as an example. I quit my job. So I took out a $5,000 personal loan before I quit my most recent job to move back home. I was going to use that as like stall money to start a business that was related to personal training. And that did not happen. <laughs> so long story short, I wasn't able to take weeks off, months off to explore like, what is my passion? What am I passionate about? And it was something that I just sort of, sort of uh, stumbled into because there were periods where there was quiet. You know, I think that I'm the type of person who I would always have noise around me. That noise could be socializing. That noise could be music. That noise could be always listening to podcasts or audiobooks for self-help. It was in those moments of silence that something would come up. And I wouldn't know what it was. Sometimes it just sounds like a little bit of a whisper, like a And then the more you listen to it, the more you feel for it. It's not something that you hear with your ears. You more so feel it in your essence. And it surfaces to a feeling, right? And then you begin to pursue that feeling. And I think that it's us that puts that feeling into words do this or sit still more and then you begin to just have some sort of clarity as you look around the world and you see that there's something in you 
that is calling to come forth to be out there, but it's almost a privilege to be able to make space to hear that, right? So when we talk about being practical here, are we talking about taking out a loan so that you can meditate? Or are we talking about dumping out your savings to buy a one-way ticket to India to go through yoga teacher training or what? Like, what does, what can this look like practically for someone who's wanting to take the risk into the unknown, but they need to be prepared so that they can support themselves in their journey? That was a big-ass question. If I were to condense that down to one sentence, it would be, how do you practically prepare for the transition from practicality, stability, routine, to the unknown, the passion, the purpose. That's, well, first of all, some beautiful reflections and a grand paradox that there's so many paradoxes that are also unearthing right now during this time of social distancing is that we're all so different in our unique experiences and we feel like no one else really gets it or that person didn't have this obstacle in the way but really not so different than we think right and you know the word spirituality might make people shy away from it but really it's this grounded spirituality we're not talking about like abundance mind like manifestation practices we're talking about like a faith in yourself and a sense of magnetism that you create hone in on what we talked about what's that thing that's driving you forward what's that thing that's bigger than the obstacles that you're facing getting clear about that that's very grounded and then on a practical level it's like you know i worked with say a roommate that was working a law job that he really didn't like. He was getting paid a lot of money and he felt like a victim of the circumstances. So before we get into how practically he shifted and traveled South America for a year and was able to save his income as a freelance editor, he first had to look at what was actually the obstacle and what was made up. I think a lot of people who think they're being practical are actually also stuck in a lot of falsity. So they think that they're stuck in something when they're not. So we have to look at what's real and what's not. Real quick. Do we all have to work eight hours a day? Yeah. I think you were going to get into this, but I wanted to point out when you say what's real and what's not real, just for a little bit of context so that people can follow when we say real, not real. So when we say real, yeah. we're talking about objective. So when we say real, we mean like an objective view. And when we say not real, yeah. illusion, we're talking about a subjective view of the same situation. Is that a good way uh-huh. to put it in the practical terms? Yes, yeah, like looking at the real obstacles that you face and then looking at perceived obstacles. Exactly. So... So looking at the real obstacles you face, like, hey, here's my bank account. Hey, here's the rent that I have to make. And the perceived obstacles of, oh, I can't be a writer. Oh, I can't start this podcast. I don't have X amount of followers. Oh, I don't have any experience in this. Those are all just perceived. Those are all coming from those limiting beliefs that we talked about. Of I can't do this. I'm not perfect. I don't have this experience. And you break those down. People aren't going to accept me if I take this leap. Those are all perceived. They're not actually real, as we talked about. So we get to get clear on what are the actual obstacles in our way. And I think most of us really underestimate what's possible. And so in the case of my roommate, he's like, hey, let's take a look practically at what your skill set is. It could shift over five years, but right now you're a lawyer, you're a 
great with people. You have this desire to go travel. So first thing, what do you want right now? What's your biggest desire? What's that thing that's bigger than the obstacle? Okay, I want to go travel the world. Great, you don't have any money. So what we did was he went online and he was searching editing jobs within his specific niche of law. And he found a job online that paid like $30 an hour for him to edit legal blogs. And so that gave him a little bit of ease. I think a lot of us, when we make a big shift like that, if we don't get grounded, then we have this scary moment if we put so much pressure on our passion, so much pressure on this idea of how we should be living that we have to run back to point A. So that kind of gives you a little bit of leverage there if you set yourself up with a little game plan. And I think this also relates to someone getting diagnosed with herpes or dealing with stigma. I remember watching Ella Dawson's TED Talk thinking, I want to be there. You know, I want to do what she's doing. Like, you want to jump. And yet, that would have totally crushed me. I wouldn't have been able to handle that, to step out, tell the world, I have herpes, you know. I wasn't embodying that. It takes a long time, and it starts with those little planned out, mapped out actions of, okay, can I start opening up and being vulnerable to the people that are closest to me in my life? Can I start small, or maybe not even disclosing the diagnosis? Can I just start being vulnerable with them? And then maybe I open up about the diagnosis and maybe I then extend that circle and I start to hold space for others to be vulnerable. So this doesn't just have to do with career shift. This pertains to any big shift, any big leap. There's always kind of a roadmap and there's always unforeseens and just being flexible in that, but knowing that nothing is how it seems. Overnight successes are sometimes 10-year overnight success stories, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to feel sometimes like the obstacles are insurmountable, but there are people cheering you on, even if you don't know them yet. This community that I found three years later of people who are using the most shameful parts of themselves, right, as a source of their power and trying to shine light on that for others. All right, so hosting this podcast and putting my own herpes status out there has warranted a lot of uh, discussions from people. And I'm really grateful that people are safe and comfortable with sharing so much of this intimate piece of their lives with me because it's really expanding my perspective on various Things that contribute to the SCI stigma and even the growing rate of SCIs because there are so many unique stories behind it. And one story that I'm consistently hearing is from women who experience symptoms or who go get tested who are unable to really get closure from their previous male partners who are super resistant to going to get tested for herpes. And I don't know why that is. Um, I'll speak from my own personal experience. Um, When I was in college, for instance, I used my metric of knowing what my SCI status was based on my most recent partner's SCI uh, status. So when my partners would go in for their annual wellness women exams or pap smears, uh, they would also request STI testing and they just let me know, hey, well, nothing came back positive, so we're good. And I'd just be like, yes, and move on. But what I'm hearing now, uh, this is past college. We're talking about 25, 30, 40 year old men who are just resistant 
to getting tested for various reasons. And I think that a lot of it is just really not wanting to know. And as Shoshana just mentioned here on the podcast, uh, there's there's power in using our shameful experiences and people are really missing out on that. And so uh, I just want to encourage people to take the opportunity to know your status And unfortunately, some people are just not going to want to know their own for various reasons and come up with different excuses as to why they can't get tested or maybe it's not affordable. But I mean, that isn't really a valid excuse now, especially when we have companies like Let's Get Checked. Uh, So here's actually a really good place to drop this in. Um, If you visit trylogic.com without the vowels, that's T-R-Y-L-G-C dot com slash S-P-F-P-P, you can save 30% off of an STI test kit. So to give you an idea, I went to trylogic.com without the vowels, T-R-Y-L-G-C dot com slash S-P-F-P-P, and I placed an order for the complete 10 test kit that was listed at $269, but is, I said before, 20%, it's actually 30% off. So that $269 test kit came out to $188.30. And when you visit trylgc.com slash SPFPP, it includes chlamydia, gonorrhea, trick, HIV, syphilis, gardnerella, mycoplasma, ureaplasma, and HSV-1 and HSV-2. So like I said, it brings that total from $269 down to $188.30. Now, there is a more popular uh, test that's more affordable if price is an issue. Uh, The Standard 5 comes with HIV, syphilis, trick, gonorrhea, and chlamydia. And uh, that starts at $149. But when you enter that promo code SPFPP at checkout, after visiting trylgc.com, dot com slash SPFPP. That total will come down to, I already did the math for you, $104.30. So uh, I ordered my test kit on a Tuesday. It arrived on Saturday. And I was thinking that I'd have to watch YouTube tutorials on how to draw my own blood and finding the right vein, trying not to pass out. Nope. (laughs) Just got to prick my finger. And uh, I was worried for nothing. So the kit came in on that uh, on this past Saturday. Um, and this was after me ordering it on a Tuesday. So the way that it works is uh, you follow the instructions, create an account. Um, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to have to wait until tomorrow, actually, because I realize that you have to fast. You got to uh, and I haven't been really drinking water. I've been drinking a lot since this pandemic. So um, I wanted to take a little bit of time to not be um not have so much alcohol in my veins <laughs> but yeah once uh you send the test back in immediately uh as soon as possible after you get the uh samples that are requested they have what looks like everything you need here from swabs to instruments the vials all that um once you send it in and the results are available they'll be reviewed by a physician and a nurse will contact you um, for a consultation over the phone if anything comes back positive all scis can be treated or they are manageable at this point so if it's something that can be treated with an antibiotic let's get checked has nurse practitioners that will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of my choice providing us with 
care from diagnosis to treatment without ever having to go to a doctor's office or a lab uh, that's really convenient right now, especially during this pandemic, y'all. So with the highest ranking level of accreditation, the Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved. All data is anonymized to ensure your privacy is maintained throughout the process. And I cannot tell you enough that this is really convenient, y'all. So let's just really cut through that, the the excuses that our partners may have. And I mean, you can recommend this to them, uh, just going back to the instances where we have partners who may not want to get checked for a variety of reasons. So if it's about convenience, if it's about price, then I strongly encourage you to send the link to them, trylgc.com slash SPFPP, and that's trylogic without the vowels slash SPFPP. And when you enter the promo code SPFPP at checkout, when you're in the cart, you will save not 20, like it was last week on that episode, but 30%. Please remember that code SPFPP at checkout. All right, back to show Shana. When we talk about these obstacles, we look at the various types of obstacles. Let's say the primary one is money you gave the example of your roommate who was able to take a skill set that he had and then seek something that would negate the obstacle of finances for him looking at it now we have this source of income so it's kind of easy to go oh i didn't even know that this was an opportunity and we can sort of lose sight of the reason that we even were looking for that a source of income so staying focus staying on the path becomes a little bit of a challenge because now you're tempted to well this is a better opportunity for me so maybe I can do more of this and you sort of remove one obstacle and distraction and replace it with another rather than sticking to the plan of getting away from that into something new altogether so how does one continue to answer the call of that pool when along the way these other things present themselves that support you like they can be seen as the end goal but these are really supporting you to get through the unknown which you don't know what the end goal is i love that you brought that point up because i don't work with people on how to shift their career and make an income online that is just a point that we touched on you know i posted on on my Instagram, a poll of what's that obstacle in the way of you and like this vision that you have for yourself. And most people think it's money or most people think it's some kind of other thing that's not related to what we talked about before. This is why it's so, so important to get clear about your desires, your limiting beliefs, your vision, your purpose, the inner work. It's so important to do that first. So that when this other stuff comes up, you aren't swayed and pulled. And not to say that's not going to happen. But, you know, we think it's all these other things. We think it's money. And it's really this sense of worth of are we tying ourselves, first of all, to our bank account? Because a lot of us overestimate, like, how much we really need. And getting back to that sense of confidence, that sense of clarity and what's important to you, then really, that's a magnetism. And we all have, like, gifts and things to share whether that's just being really good with people like we take that for granted you can turn that into something that you can offer people and when you're doing that because that's your 
purpose, then when the other things come up, you just always come back to that. You strengthen it like a muscle and you stand really strong in that. So I think that's why the initial work is so important. And that's why I don't work with people who just want to quit their nine to fives and travel. That's not the work I do. I work with people who are like, hey, I want to break down the shame. I want to get to my living beliefs and just dissolve them so that I can stand clear in who I am and not be so wishy-washy and make decisions from a place of power and then have that magnetism in my life. Now, you say these are the kinds of people you work with. I almost feel like there's a bit of a transition point between something's wrong and then getting to that point of I want blank, which is to be authentic. Between those two points, how are people getting to the space of realizing that ultimately they don't know who they are and they just want to know who they are? It's trial and error in some instances. It's like, hey, I'm seeking, seeking, seeking outside of myself. A lot of people are, like I said, looking up at the tower that I had my cubicle and thinking like, you know, I'm set up with seeking this life that's like the pinnacle of success at this big four consulting firm and I feel like shit. <laughs> and so I think a lot of people are finding that relationship, finding that job, getting my bank account to a certain level, um, gaining this amount of followers, whatever it is, that doesn't fill that, well, you said that whisper. It doesn't speak to it. It gets louder and louder and louder. And I think that's where we say, okay, you know what? I'm ready to try something else. I'm ready to question maybe the parts of myself that I'm so afraid of are actually what's going to move me forward in the way that's nourishing to me, that's going to fill all those needs. That's yeah. what I see over and over again. Something that just came up as you were speaking is um, I think it starts with a quantity of questions. Why this? Why that? What do I want? And then it expands into a quality of fewer questions. The quality questions sort of challenge behaviors and beliefs. The quantity questions are like, why does this keep happening? So you're asking yourself, why do people treat me this way? Why does my boss talk down to me? Why don't I have a lot of money? I think you make a shift from the quantity of low quality questions, given that they're external, to it comes internal and there's a more high quality of a question that's like, okay, why is it that I respond to this this way? How am I showing up? How am I blah, blah, blah? I think that that may be a good description of what happens in that transition period. And this is what came up for me as you were speaking, as it parallels with my own personal experience and just given the experiences that I've heard from other people on other podcasts. So is that kind of accurate? Do you agree? Oh, 100%. I'm loving what you're saying. It's like putting what I was really just speaking to in such beautiful words. I think it all comes down to taking responsibility. You said these lower quality questions and why me and this victimhood. And then that shift into, well, who am I? How do I create my reality? Can I take more responsibility? What's possible for me? That's beautiful. And that is the work as well. It's that shift of nothing else is working and I can continue to blame external. I can continue to seek outside myself and get disappointed. Or I can try something. I can try taking responsibility. I can try reaching out to people. I can try being vulnerable. And vulnerability, that's a key pillar of the work I do of, of my story and I know a lot of other people as well, is speaking 
to what's going on for you, speaking to these dark parts of yourself that actually have more power when we don't address them, <sighs> saying, hey, I'm not perfect, I'm far from perfect, and anyone who's trying to tell you that you can attain that, that they have, I would keep my distance, <laughs> basically, you know, be cautious about that. I laugh because this is a space that I've just recently come out of, and I use the example of, so I'm a personal trainer, and I host this podcast. These are the bulk of my identities. My identity is strongly tied to being H on my chest on social media in this work, and then being Courtney at Given 100 when it comes to personal training. There was a period where I was trying to figure out, all right, well, what's my identity without these two things? This is how I meet people. I've recently started dating. These are the only places that I'm meeting women. So outside of there, even if I meet someone out in the wild, I call it, I'm showing up as one of those two people and not myself, right? So looking at the shadow and how things are showing up, like the shadow to me represents repressed emotions, repressed states of being. And so in my case, the narrative was, I have to repress who I am in order to succeed in training, in order to succeed in something positive for positive people and maintain a level of professionalism. So who am I outside of that? I don't know, because I'm bringing those aspects of myself into dating. So how we're talking and how we're interviewing now, there's a level of professionalism here, right? I recognize that a strong part of my identity personally is my sexuality. It's not that it's being repressed. It's that something else is being added to my personality. So I am naturally a sexual person and I have to add professionalism to my personality when I do something positive for positive people, when I do personal training. Because if that piece of me is repressed, if it's not allowed to express itself or if I'm unconscious of who I am, then it can come out as inappropriate touching with clients or it can be like hyper distancing in fear of giving off like any sort of sexual vibes and then now it's creepy because it's like why is my personal trainer trying so hard to distance himself from me and then on the other hand with something positive for positive people it's like okay well I can't put out attraction energies at all because oftentimes people who reach out to me are in a very vulnerable space some people may come in suicidal or leaving an abusive relationship or they just found out about their diagnosis and thought there's no high guys out there who have herpes and then they come across a guy who they might find attractive who has herpes so there's these things that the professionalism has to add and i have to be mindful of as we all should what that shadow is or what's being repressed because it can come out in those ways that I just described or I could be inappropriate with these people and taking advantage of them. Being conscious of the fact that who I am outside of these things is just naturally a sexual person and that aspects are being added to my personality that allow for me to do my job. I find that to be so powerful and just showing up as who I am naturally and making space to be that. I love that reflection of questioning, like who am I and what is my identity and circling back to how we were speaking to those high quality, low quality questions, right? And that big shift from external questioning. Why is this happening to me? That kind of life is happening to you. To, you know, a lot of people say, no, life is happening for you. Are you 
a greater creator of your own reality than you think. And um, the questions that you were going through is I'm like, hmm, I'm noticing that I have these different identities, and yet there's this underlying self that things are being added to it. And can I start to like get to know that a little bit more? It's amazing, like your ability to speak to these different identities and speak to what you call the shadow and do that work because that's a big part of it as well. Not only like working with the limiting beliefs, working with the story, but it's speaking to it. And we've already mentioned like the more it's in the dark, the more power that it has over you. So speaking to it and being like, yeah, there's this part of me that's this and I don't know who I am here. And I remember on my yoga teacher training, which is five years ago, um, starting the journey in India, I had this journal entry that when I looked back on it, it gave me the chills because I had gone on this whole journey of oh my gosh I'm not all these things that I thought I was and I found this teacher who was putting all these things into such beautiful words and I looked back at my journal entry and I have written who am I am I this unborn undying self all these really profound things that I didn't even remember that I was questioning until after I found this teacher who was kind of like, yeah, you're the unborn, undying self. You're in none of these roles. Like, play with the roles. Be the roles. Like, be mindful of how you are when you're a personal trainer. Like, yes, follow the rules, but also know that this is just a play. That this is all constantly changing and that there is a part of you that's not changing. And to kind of go on that journey and realize, holy shit, I'm looking at my journal from six months ago and I was having these questioning already. Like, we already know. You can't become more of who you already are. You can only disrobe yourself from all the kind of roles and, and that awareness that we're building of knowing that we are in this constant play. Super important to our evolution. After my first therapy session with my counselor through BetterHelp last week, I had some homework. This homework involved looking at some things I'd been avoiding. And before Shoshana goes into her shadow, I figured I'd drop a little bit of what that's looked like for me, just dealing with my own shadow. So I journaled on the wound that herpes created for me. And I had to revisit the time of my diagnosis and see that really it didn't create anything for me, but it just opened up something that was already there. And taking a look at what was going on around my diagnosis, I realized that there was just this this narrative, and I've spoken about this on the podcast before, that if I get excited, then I will be disappointed. So I had just finished school, uh, college, and I started my first big boy job, and bam, herpes diagnosis. I had this idea of what my life was going to look like for at least the next foreseeable future, and then it didn't look like that, so I had to adapt. Um, I just had my second therapy session actually today, and this week we went over by a half hour. So the sessions were, well, the sessions are supposed to be an hour, but we went over by 30 more minutes because more and more layers were just coming back. And I mean, I'm grateful for my therapist having had this extra time because I think that we really got deep on today's session. Um, so really, despite all of this, some positive for positive people, positivity and healing I've done, I've picked up on, well, we picked up on the fact that I have this fearful avoidance toward rejection. And this is something that we're going to touch on uh, more in our next session, um, because it, that in itself 
has so many other like subcategories for it. So uh, I'm pumped. My therapist is really challenging me in ways that I haven't been challenged before. And I really had to take care of myself after that call. And for me, that looked like taking a four hour nap. So the session was at 11 o'clock central time. I normally I'm up at 5 a.m. every day. I'll get in, get my workout in and uh, do some podcast stuff. And today we were on the call for 90 minutes and I needed that four hour nap. I am really loving how much this is challenging and expanding my perspective so far. And I'm hoping that this is something that um, people are open to. Like you really have to put yourself in a vulnerable position in order to not only seek out a therapist, but also do the work that comes with having uh, this this resource available because so much can come from it. And I'm only on week two, so I'm looking forward to what comes in the future and being able to share the pieces of my journey that I'm able to share uh, on the podcast. There is some stuff that I feel is a lot more intimate. So um, like I said, I'll share what I can, but this is one of those things where I just wouldn't have known the power of it had it not been for having my own experience with the therapist myself. So uh, something positive for positive people. We've partnered with BetterHelp in order to give you 10% off your first month of communication with your own licensed professional therapist when you visit www.betterhelp.com slash SPFPP. That's www.betterhelp.com slash SPFPP. I know that's a lot of P's for you, y'all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm pumped to have better help as a sponsor of something positive for positive people because this is one way that we're able to help people with getting therapy after their diagnosis. So I encourage you to check that out. Go through the questionnaire, submit um, as much detail about yourself as you can so that you can get matched with the proper counselor. We often talk about on the podcast how we think maybe it's herpes, but it ends up being something significantly deeper that centers around unprocessed beliefs and behavior that we're just completely unaware of. And by going to betterhelp.com slash SPFPP, again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, we can begin uncovering that. And in under 24 hours, we'll have a therapist reach out to us, a counselor reach out to us, and we get that examination that we need. So there's options for video call, uh, options for phone call. You can communicate via text. My therapist actually hit me up uh, on Saturday after I submitted my journal entry for my homework. And he just asked me, you know, how are you? And that to me meant a lot just because, I mean, he didn't have to do that. (laughs) Right. But it just shows that there's, you know, even though we're going through um, an app or we're limited to, Uh, digital technology for communication, there's still human elements to it. And I'm very grateful for my therapist through betterhelp.com slash SPFPP. And hopefully other people are able to have similar experiences to mine or positive experiences, but your own unique experience with uh, challenging yourself and what you believe and how you behave. So, all right, we're gonna, I'm gonna just touch on that one more time. It's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash S-P-F-P-P. All right, and now we're going to get back into Shoshana's shadow. Ooh. <laughs> 
What was your shadow? I think that working at, you know, helping people work with, okay, what's that? We all have limiting beliefs. We all have shadows. I there have... are some that are more prominent than others. I think mine is that sense of doubt that I have something that I need to hide. That if people really found out about me, they wouldn't want to work with me. They wouldn't want to date me. They wouldn't want to be my friend. And looking back on that, it's a way I valued myself. You know, I have really good body image. I still have body image days and um, thoughts that come up. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's an old story. You know, I have to be perfect in all these ways. And I'm never going to see myself for the, the beauty that I am. One thing that, that really revealed the shadow for me was when I first got diagnosed and then I went through that journey of getting into the low point and saying, holy shit, I had some unrealed trauma. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to stop numbing with substances. I'm going to start like running again, um, kind of building this relationship with myself, dating myself again, starting to play the guitar. But one thing that I did, and I think that revealed the shadow the most, is I went on a vulnerability spree, like a vulnerability challenge. And I was like, I'm going to prepare for going public about this, which took me like a year. I'm going to tell all the guys that I've dated, had crushes on, had flings with over the past like two years and tell them about my herpes diagnosis, including one guy who I had been dishonest with and I'd been with for months and just didn't tell him the first time and then never told. I was like, I'm going to do this. And if I could do it in person, yes. If I have to do it over the phone, okay. The result from that experience, it's like, I had a couple of them try to make out while I was telling the story. I'm like, holy shit, this thing that I thought was going to make me, like, unworthy of even just, like, touch. The biggest response was, hey, like, I love you. You're my friend. How can I support you? And it was this big plot twist of, oh, wow, I've been the one undervaluing myself this entire time before the diagnosis. I thought these people saw me as just this object or people saw me as a potential, like, romantic partner, not as this person, this dynamic person, this friend that they want to support and be there for. And it's because of the way I value myself. That's something that, you know, continue to work with my whole life of just that I'm worthy and I don't have to do anything to be worthy. And I think this is a big shadow that we all deal with. Another shadow is, which I'm still working with, and I'll be super vulnerable with is this like fear that I'm manipulative. I think it comes with like the, I read this page in the birthday book of the, I'm Scorpio. I think a lot of people also think that Scorpios is the of like, ooh, they're very manipulative. And it was like, you can either use this charm in like a positive way, like you can get people on board with a mission, or you can like kind of manipulate people into things. And I'm like, sometimes I'll have these moments of fear and self doubt. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I doing that thing? You know, am I um, too demanding? You know, all of these kinds of, am I too this, am I too that? And I think that comes, you know, as a woman, and for so many people, of like, we've been told, it all comes back to a story. We've been told we're too much. We've been told that we're, you know, asking or too much that we are manipulative and so just being mindful of the stories that you've picked up along the way and then taking responsibility of you're like oh yeah shit i am and you know what i gotta be accepting of myself and build compassion just not do that anymore you know it doesn't have to be me getting in touch with what we said before like that underlying self of even your habitual patterns of like anger and deception all those things they were all learned they can all be unlearned don't get too worried about that so I'm a Scorpio too. <laughs> it was yesterday I was having a conversation with someone about Scorpio shadow. So my personal experience has been 
being called too much emotionally or yeah you you did the eye roll thing <laughs> or even um <laughs> yeah. like I, i've come to learn that there's an intensity that many scorpios that i've known through other people like they say oh you're a scorpio you're just like my ex or you're this you're that and i think that the shadow for many of us may be that manipulation so when you said that like that hit home because talking about emotional intensity when you're conscious of it it can look like compassion it can look like empathy it can look like supporting people it can look like healing when it's unconsciously operating, it can look like manipulation versus influence. It could look like uh, you know what a person's feeling, so you cut through all the bullshit and you can put them down or you can lift them up. Having to navigate that intensity, like knowing your natural state of being allows for you to consciously operate rather than put people down or anything like that. I'm I'm trying to say a thing that's not coming out for whatever reason. But I, I know it was beautiful, beautiful. You also have like a beautiful voice. It's just soothing. Like, Thank yes, you. this is exactly what I'm experiencing and it's more than, you know, just being a Scorpio, it's anyone who's been told that they're too much as well. And mastering that emotional intelligence and, and working with it. I think that it begins with that awareness, like an emotional awareness to an emotional intelligence to emotional, um, what's uh, like putting it into motion. I don't know what that would be called or what that looks like, but from awareness to intelligence to purpose, we can call it that, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just thought that was really interesting that you brought that up after uh, me having just went through this myself like from personal experience definitely and i i also think like just a little note astrology is such a cool way to get genuinely curious about other people because whether you really believe in it or not you know i grew up with a dad who's been doing astrology for decades so anyone i've ever been friends with their parents their sisters he knows their birthday he won't remember their name but he knows their birthday and so i've grown up with these stories and it's so cool for me to see him just engage with people on that level and have this framework of trying to understand who we are as people and i think it might not be astrology for others but if you can find something to get curious about someone else about why someone is the way they are and you know start Starting with yourself, but we get to learn about ourselves through learning about others, through genuinely interacting with others and practicing with active listening. There is currently a movement of people publicly disclosing their herpes status or considering disclosing their herpes status for whatever reason. There's a number of reasons that people would want to do that, right? I hear you say that you listened to Ella Dawson's TED Talk and you were like, I want to do that. And then you were like, wait a minute, I'm not ready to do that. You did something that a lot of people may not take the time to do, which is take the step back. Like the energy that you take in from something as inspiring as Ella Dawson's TED Talk and you go, man, she is so fucking awesome and brave for standing on that stage and talking about STIs and she's powerful. I want that. I want to feel that. I want to be a part of that. And then you publicly disclose and you get a few likes, a couple of people DM you and say me too and then it's over. Or like, <laughs> you know, or uh, you do this and then it's out there and you look for a 
job in a conservative field and now you've got this fear behind you of oh my god they're not gonna hire me because i made this post about herpes and it's out there and there's this paranoia that comes with it so thinking that through what made you know that you were ready to publicly disclose well first it's coming back to the why share so if you're sharing from a place of wanting instant connection uh wanting validation that is probably not a good place to be it's sharing from a place of being unattached to the outcome i think a great marker is asking why and asking, how would you feel if you got no reaction from this, right? So doing it because I want other people to know that this is something that shouldn't be holding you back. Well, we had, we had another pause, a little bit of a technical difficulty, but it's okay. I think the point that you were just making was um, questioning your intention in disclosing your status publicly like it shouldn't be a matter of what am i hoping to get out of this but what am i hoping to give as a result of doing this is that where you were going with that yeah and i think it all comes back Brene brown and really she talks about like sharing anything when you're getting close with someone do you share something really vulnerable just to get like that instant connection and like validation or is it like because you're really just trying to create space and be vulnerable and, and where is it coming from like do you have an expectation for the outcome you want and that's a really good marker there's a fine line between giving and then being taken from right so when we have our gifts we discover our gifts we discover that thing that we set out on our journey for and we hear that inner voice speaking to us and it's like, this is what you are to the world. Now go and give. Where do we draw the boundary between giving and then being taken from? Well, I would say that it comes back to healthy boundaries, like in the form of disclosing um, and, and sharing with people and helping people. I think, and you could probably relate to this as well, it's like getting to a point where you have this passion project and you probably have to limit the amount of deep conversations that you're having on social media or else you'd be spending all your time there. So I found like, you know, the boundary that I've created, I don't think people are taking from me at all. I'm like, I'm sharing, again, from this grounded place of like, I see that this isn't a big deal and I, I want to help people on realize that on their own and then in the sense of like helping people one-on-one -on -one, I'm like okay I created offerings that are going to serve the community better and they're going to serve me as well because I just simply don't think that having 200 touch points a day where we answer a few questions is going to be in the greatest service you know okay how can I create something that's going to support both of us to get a lot of value out of like one-on-one -on -one work so that's one way of creating a boundary of like okay, is there something behind this? And then getting clear about what kind of help that you want to offer and uh, making sure that you're filled up before you really empty out your cup. It's important to note that I think a lot of self-care about like, you need to love yourself and you need to have your cup totally full before you serve others is incomplete because I think that a way that we fill our cup is by serving others. There is that inner dialogue of what do I need before I go out and uh, try to help others it's like securing your face mask first kind of thing and then also realizing that serving others is a way to get yourself super clear and healthy full and then
uh, knowing uh, why you're doing it and creating those healthy boundaries for yourself. Like, what's your capacity? And then working backwards from there. I like that. Learn your capacity and work backwards from there. Shoshana, we are approaching the end of our time together. Is there anything else that you would like to leave people with before I let you go? Yeah, I just want to say immense gratitude to you and everyone who's made it to the end of this. Doing the heavy lifting already, just showing up and investing time and energy into projects that are from the heart, detached from the outcome, serving the greater good. So thank you. And you know, in these times of uncertainty where a lot is coming up from the surface what we said really deciphering between what is real and what is perceived that's all coming out and i think what we can all do is reach out to one another take a deep breath and come back to the basics of what's important i look forward to connecting with you and anyone who's listening you can reach out to me on instagram it's a great place shoshana underscore raven and i've all my offerings on my website, ShoshanaRaven.com, on my podcast, Living Brave, which I will have you, Courtney, on very soon. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share this podcast. Till next time, stay positive.